You are now listening to the Think 180 podcast from Inc. 180 Ministries in Chicago, Illinois. Hello and welcome. Please stand by. We are war. We are war with terrorism, racism, but most of all, we are war with ourselves. God show me the way because the devil's trying to break me down. The only thing that I pray is that my feet don't fail me now. What's up, everybody? It's Chris from Inc. 180. Joined as always by my friend Kyle Craney. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hope everybody's staying warm out here. We're uh, we're recording this in the midst of Snowmageddon 18. <laughs> you would you would think that the world was coming to a crashing halt, but uh, today we're uh, we're recording episode 21, right? 21? That's right. Jeez, man, our podcast is not old enough to drink. Unbelievable. So I uh, got a lot to talk about today. I just got back from Minneapolis, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 52. Um, d- got a chance to do just a lot of really cool and amazing things. A lot of a lot of opportunities opened up for me on this trip, and I'm uh, just really excited to share it and talk about what I was able to do, and, and excited to talk about next year in Atlanta, um, mostly because. I know there's going to be a lot of great work done, and it and it won't be 15 degrees below zero, like it was in <laughs> Minneapolis. Whoever thought it was a good idea to hold the Super Bowl in Minneapolis in February, January, February was clearly not thinking. But uh, the city of Minneapolis was actually a, just a great host. The people up there are amazing, and um, it was really cool. The stadium was beautiful, although I wasn't anywhere near it. I was <clears throat> I was doing ministry all weekend, and I loved it. And uh, actually just sat down and watched the game last night on DVR. So, But uh, wanted to talk a little bit about it, and we'll just kind of get into it. I drove up um, last Saturday morning, rented a car, because I don't, I'm pretty positive my car wouldn't have made it to Minneapolis. <laughs> and uh, with the, the weather they had, they had been hit with snowstorms too, so I wanted to make sure I had something before the drive. So I, I got up super early on Saturday morning and drove up. Because I wanted to make it up there for the last day of the Justice Awakening Conference. And uh, my friend Charity Bohr was speaking there and sharing her story as a survivor uh, coming out of the sex industry. And Annie Lobert was there. Um, Danielle Freitag, like just a lot of amazing people. My friend Krista from Tampa Bay was down there, uh, up there, sorry. And um, it was just it was it was a great weekend it was a great conference and they really did an awesome job of putting that conference together so i made it just uh just as shersty was getting ready to go up and, and share her story and then i got to see the panel discussion it was just awesome it was a great way to start the weekend um my friends got together afterwards before i was getting ready to leave to go on to my next my next thing that we'll talk about here in a few but they uh they they came around me and prayed for me for about 20 minutes and it was just it was awesome we got to talk about the opportunities that were i was facing over the weekend and what they were going to be doing um, they do a lot of uh, like strip club outreaches and stuff like that so they in addition to a lot of organizations were doing a lot of amazing things so it was just kind of kind of cool to to kick things off for the weekend up there and and uh share what we were all going to be doing I uh, I had posted a video on the Inc. 180 Facebook page too, but was talking about it. I, I work with, in my opinion, I work with the best law enforcement folks in the country, and these are these are people that this is clearly not just a paycheck too. This is uh, they're passionate about the work that they're doing, um, especially the folks that I work with in the area of human trafficking, and had some conversations kind of leading up to the Super Bowl, and one of my friends. Um, had, he's a, he's an agent and he asked me, he's like, Hey, you going to the Super Bowl? I was like, I'm, I'm trying. It was, it was pretty much down to the wire if I was going to be able to make this trip or not financially. And, and thanks to a lot of amazing people we were. So I called him up and said, Hey, I'm coming. And he said, I owe you a favor. I'm like, you don't owe me anything. I'm like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? He's like, no, I owe you a favor. You do so much for me and for my team. And he said, do you want to sit in and watch a, a John Sting? And I was like, what? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, we, you know, and I knew exactly what he's talking about. But yeah. he said, uh, 
we're going to do a sting looking for John's. And if, if you want to be a part of it, I can set it up where you can sit and, and watch. He's like, you, you know, you're not breaking down, kicking down doors and busting people, but he's like, you can be there and you can sit there and, and, and watch what we're doing. And you can even have an opportunity to talk to people right. if they want to talk to you, you know? Kind of emotions flood through your mind when you're oh, asked a question dude. like that. Like yeah. you're nervous, you're scared. I was PO'd. Like I was, I was excited for the opportunity, uh-huh. but I was like, I'm gonna be sitting in a room full of Johns, man. Right. And I've talked about it before. Like I've harbored a lot of just pure hatred for Johns mm-hmm. since I started doing this work. And I, I admit it. It's like you know, a lot of people. Yeah, you know, I'll post stuff on the on the page, the the Facebook page, and people are like, oh, you know, Chris, we're Christians. We have to we have to pray for them too, and. Like I, I get it, but I never claim to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a work in progress. I'm, I've only been a Christian for eight years, and you know, I sit, I sit here and remove or cover tattoos for trafficking survivors who tell me the most insane stories that Hollywood couldn't even think up. Right. You know, and hearing what these these men have done to them over whatever period of time mm-hmm. and it's hideous right and you really think that i should forgive them and pray for them and all this yeah i've told the story before about um my pastor jeff he's one of my best friends and um big part of my team and uh, kind of coaches me through a lot of rough spots that i deal with um regularly <laughs> and, <laughs> and th- i'll tell you this is a, a point where we've been working together for a long time is um he, you know, he he came in. I I finished doing a uh, tattoo removal, the last tattoo removal for a big case. It was seventeen girls in the Campbell case that had been branded with tattoos, and Campbell was sent away for life without parole. And uh, hmm. but I wanted to help these girls, so we started that process, and it took a long time to get you know that coordination all done. But we did, and the day that we did that last removal, he came and sat with me and. <clears throat> I wasn't celebrating. I mean, it wasn't anything to celebrate, but I was relieved for these these young women that they didn't have to have these tattoos anymore. And I was happy about that. And we were sitting together and he goes, well, that's great. He said, I love, you know, I love what you do for them. But like, what about the Johns and, and Campbell? I'm like, what about them? He's like, well, do you pray for them too? Because we had just finished praying for all these 17 girls. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I don't. I don't pray for the Johns and I definitely don't pray for Campbell. He was a hideous creature. Mm-hmm. And Jeff was, you know, kind of coaching me, starting to coach me at that point. He's like, well, you know, you, you have to pray for them too. And I was like, I, I can't, I can't right now. Maybe at some point I'll be able to, but right now I can't. And that was a few years ago. And mm-hmm. So I go up there and I I go to this meeting with all these law enforcement folks and they had they had a couple hotel rooms set up I think mm-hmm. it was four set up to do the actual stings they had teams you know strike teams ready to go and do that um, they had you know closed circuit cameras set up in these rooms so we could watch it wow that that's was, intense dude that was rad and you're probably sitting in that room just like oh, hang on baby Jesus this is gonna get bumpy right that's probably right. how you're feeling for real for real <laughs> big time. And I'm like, you know, I, we do this meeting and they're telling me, okay, you know, you, you have to stay in this room. And I was in like a conference room mm-hmm. where there were, um, a, a bunch of cops that were doing booking. So there were like 10 cops with laptops doing the booking process. And then they would have, um, they had all these seats set up. It looked like you were in the DMV, right? <laughs> the worst place you want to be. Right. right. Second place. <laughs> this Correction. was the first place. Yes. Yeah. Correction. So they would, they would bring these guys in. They'd do the transaction with these undercover female cops. These mm-hmm. teams would rush in and, and arrest these guys, throw, you know, the plastic throwaway handcuffs on them, Ouch. bring them in. They'd get, um, they'd get entered into the system and then they'd sit in these chairs like the DMV waiting for a bus to come <laughs> and pick them all up every hour oh, to go to the jail. Jeez. And I'm sitting there like the first hour, I'm just sitting there watching these TV screens, watching these, these bus take place. Now, these they set up two fake ads mm-hmm. to to do this thing, okay? Um, and the craziest part was, the sickest part was that these two ads, one was for a 22-year-old girl, the other was for a 16-year-old girl. 
and I saw the ads and I listened to some of the phone calls that came in to set up these appointments and they were vile, absolutely vile, um, asking what services could be bought, how much, mm-hmm. will she do this? Will she do that? And it just, I mean, it was, it was stomach turning, right? As if, you know, the ads weren't stomach turning enough. Yeah. Cause yeah. there's pictures on there and the whole right. deal. And, and I'm already pretty heated up. I'm getting angry. Just listening to these phone mm-hmm. calls. Right. He's turning green. Yeah. Right. Turning yeah. into the hole. Seriously hulking up on it. And these cops were kind of doing the same thing and they, they started making these busts and they'd bring these guys into the room and these guys would sit there and just sob crying. Right. And they're like, Oh my gosh, man, my wife can't find out. She'll leave me. We have kids and blah, blah. like, well, yeah, in my head, I'm, I'm just sitting there from kind of the other side of the room watching this all take place and unfold. This was like completely mind blowing to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I had heard about this stuff, but I'd never seen it. And these guys just crying their eyes out. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, why didn't y'all think about this before you made that phone call? Right. You know? And for the most part, they were from out of town. They were in for the game, you know? Um, different socioeconomic, racial groups. I mean, it was like everybody. Everybody represented here. Everybody. Everybody sent their worst player there, you know? <laughs> And um, different backgrounds of work. There was a retired cop. There was a firefighter. You know, just all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing these stories, and I'm not interacting. I'm just, like, I'm a fly on the wall for, like, the first hour and a half, I guess mm-hmm. it was. And then this room really started to fill up. And I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to these guys as they're getting booked in. And one guy is just, like, telling his whole life story to this cop and in my head i'm going dude you should probably be quiet right now you're like incriminating yourself i love those people yeah (laughs) and this one guy like just i i heard his story and i was like peaked and because he said he used to be a youth pastor and i'm like what and I, I mean i've heard these stories i know i shouldn't be shocked this can happen to anybody anybody mm-hmm. can have a, a bad moment or a, a, any anybody from any background can have a problem with sexual addiction or porn addiction or whatever it is right right and anybody can make a bad decision i know that because i've made a lot of bad decisions in my life not like that but different right. bad decisions right um so i'm sitting there and i didn't i really didn't want to talk to anybody when the night started i just didn't think i was going to be able to do it mm-hmm. and sitting there and I just really felt like I heard Jeff telling me like you should talk to these guys you know you should you should talk to these guys you need to take this opportunity and this guy saying he used to be a youth pastor I was like I need to talk to this guy so I go over and I sit down and I ask him if I can talk with him mm-hmm. and he said yeah he said are you a cop and I said do I look like a cop I said, no, I'm not a cop. I said, I'm a minister. And he goes, well, you don't look like a minister either. <laughs> I kind of chuckled a little bit. It's like, you know, enough humor I could muster up at the moment. But I said, hey, I, I just, if if you don't want to answer, you don't have to answer. But I just wanted to ask you, I heard you say that you used to be a youth pastor. Can I talk to you about that? He said, yeah. I said, well, what do you mean you used to be a youth pastor? Like, what happened? And he said... In 2001, I was working as a youth pastor for a church just outside of Philadelphia. And one afternoon, I was in my office with a 16-year-old girl that was in our youth group, and I was doing inappropriate things. And my pastor walked in the room and caught me doing this. I was like, wow. I said, what did your pastor do? He sent the girl home, and over a period of a week of meetings and stuff, they ended up firing me. And I said, did they call the cops? And he said, no. They didn't want the the media scrutiny for the church. Wow. I said, said, okay, we've heard this story before. And um, 
I said, well, what about the girl? And he said, well, from what I understand, they gave her money to not say anything. And I was sick, man. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. That's nuts. I said, so you never got questioned by the police? You never, nothing. He's like, no, I moved away. He's like, I moved away and carried on with my life. I quit as a youth pastor. I didn't go back to that. Mm -hmm. I said, well, you know, thank God. But I said, what has gone on in your life since then? And he's like, well, I'm married. I said, does your wife know this? No, she has no idea. That's why I'm freaking out right now. He's like, I don't want her to find out about this. Mm -hmm. And he said, we have a daughter. And my blood went cold when I heard that. Anybody, then he looked at me, he goes, I, I promise, I swear to God, I haven't, I'm not, I haven't done anything to my daughter. I haven't touched her. I haven't had any urge to do that. Right. And I'm just like, please, God, give me the strength to not throat punch this guy <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, people look at me and they're like, oh, Chris, you know, you're such a great Christian and you're such a great representative of men that are Christians. I'm like, I've only been a Christian for eight years, guys. Like, my old life is in, it's in the past, believe me, it's in the past, but it's not so far gone that it couldn't rear its ugly head once in a while. And I was really scared that I was going to go off on this guy, at least, you know, mm-hmm. just yelling at him. And I didn't want that. And uh, I said, well, have you done this before? And he said, no, this is the first time. Come on. Right. I, I don't. I, it, could it be? Yeah, it could right. be. Do I believe that? No, not really. That's a typical story. Yeah, I've never done this say. before, right? Oh, I'll tell you, 189 guys got arrested that night. You know how many guys said this is the first time I've done this? Every <laughs> single one of them, you know? <laughs> right. And whatever. Same old story. You know, we all have our thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand what they're, they're going through because I haven't had anything like that in my life, and I can't even imagine what is going through their heads. Or or not for that matter. I don't know. Um, and so I'm sitting there, and and for the first time ever, I'm I'm like I'm praying while I'm talking to this guy, like intentionally praying for this guy, uh, or praying for this conversation, and I feel like I'm being led to pray for him, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to, but I felt like God was like, you need to pray for him right now. I was like, I, in my head, I'm like, I don't think I can do it. I really honestly don't think I can do it. I can pray for this discussion, but I don't think I can pray for him right now. And it was like God was telling me, hey, by praying for him, that's not telling him what he's doing is okay. It's praying that he can change and praying that he can see the damage that he's done in the past. Mm-hmm. And he can change what he's doing in his life and in his marriage. And as a father, he can change all that. And I, I took a big, deep breath and I looked at him. And I said, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you right now. And his eyes kind of lit up and you know, got real big. And, and it kind of looked like he was going to cry. And I'm like, is it okay if I pray for you right now? I really want to pray for you to change and Mm -hmm. get the help that you need. And he looked at me and he goes, Chris, nobody has prayed for me since 2001. And he's like, if you would pray for me, that would be great. I'd really appreciate it. And I did. And I, I, I prayed and it was hard. It was like prayer is very important to me. It's not something I do frivolously. And I'm like, I pray with intent mm-hmm. and it's genuine when I do it. And it was the hardest. I think it was the hardest prayer I've ever done um, in my life. Other than when my brother-in-law Joe was about ready to pass away. And I prayed to God to take him so he wouldn't suffer anymore that last day. Um, and it was right up there next mm-hmm. to that. And, um, but I prayed for him and he, I mean, he broke down a bit and I talked to him and I said, you know, I'm, by praying for, I told him straight out, I said, by praying for you, I'm not telling you what you did is okay. And I said, I'm praying that you can change. I really sincerely hope you can change, um, because your daughter needs you and your daughter needs you to be a good dad. 
And then he was gone. 15 minutes later, they loaded him and others onto a bus, and they went downtown, and that was that. Um, But yeah, 12 hours, they did that operation. They arrested 189 guys. Of those 189, 159 were arrested for answering the ad for the 16-year-old. And these guys, all of, almost all of them, when they got brought in to that room, they were crying their eyes out like, I didn't mean this. I, you know, that's not what I was saying. I wanted a massage. And I'm like, come on, y'all. Right. Just admit that you did something wrong, you know. Uh, the th- I guess the thing that people talk about the most with this kind of situation is like, well, that's good. They're going to they're gonna get arrested and prosecuted, and they're going to have to do time for it. They're not going to do a minute of time. Those mm-hmm. guys went to the jail. They bonded out. It's like a misdemeanor, and that's my biggest um, point of contention in this fight is that people are not held accountable for their actions. Right. Because those two ads that were placed were fake to set up this thing, but there were hundreds and thousands of ads in Minneapolis and around the world that night for 22 and 16 year old girls that weren't fake and they were answered and they were acted upon. Right. Um, we need, we need to do better for women. Like we owe women better than what we're giving them. And when I say that, there's a lot of things that go into that, but in this case, those men need to be held accountable for what they were doing. And right now, the way that the laws are written, they're not. And it's just, it makes me furious. Uh, Absolutely. With everything going on, you know, yeah, it's great. You know, all these cases being brought to light. I think it's amazing that survivors um, of all kinds of different trauma, sexual abuse, um, are able to speak now and they feel like they have their voice. And I think mm-hmm. that's, a, that's wonderful. I think that's great. But until that, until we really start holding the perpetrators accountable, are we really going to see change? Right. I'm sure there's, you know, methods to the madness of where they're, you know, there's probably a lot of them out there who are afraid whether or not the ad is real or fake and mm-hmm. whether that's going to be a sting and, you know, they're going to be set up or not. And, you know, the ways around that, you know, I have, I can't even imagine or fathom the ways around it, but I'm sure they're out there. They're out there. There, there. People are, you know, criminals are pretty creative, and they find ways to get around what they need to get around. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I saw a lot that night that opened my eyes, and um, I was thankful that that God kind of guided me to pray for that guy. Um, does it mean I'm where I need to be on that? No, I. I still, I mean, it was, it was excruciating to pray for him, um, but I knew why I needed to do it. And hopefully it gets me to a point later down the road with just continued prayer on my side for it to, uh, to get to that point. But I mean, that's extremely natural though, you know, for humans, yeah. it's, you know, it's hard to pray for an enemy or someone who's done you wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously there's many different varying levels of degree to which you've been wronged or what this person did to you or what they did in general. But I mean, it's, that's absolutely tough, you know, to, to come down to that and, and be able to say something for them. Yeah. One of my friends told me this weekend up there, I think it was Charity. She said, there's a big difference between hate and righteous anger. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. That, right. that should be a t-shirt. Oh, definitely. Um, because what I have heart, what I have held on to these years doing this work for these Johns and pimps is hate. Absolute. Yeah. No question. Um, but moving it towards righteous anger is all right. I mean, <laughs> Jesus flipped over tables and whipped people. And that's you right. know, I mean, I'm not going to go out and buy a whip, but <laughs> I, I might be known to flip a few tables, tables. over once uh-huh. in a while. So. Two chairs. Right. But um, just a hu- huge thank you. Um, I, I can't name my my uh, contacts. Just I don't want to get anybody in trouble, and I don't want to have to testify in any case or anything. But I think it was they John Smith and John yeah, Smith. <laughs> right. And John, yeah, John Anderson. <laughs> right. Um, but they listen regularly, and I just want to say thanks to them. They They know who they are. And, I really appreciate that opportunity as well as some others that we'll talk about here in a second. But, uh, so we did that and I went up to, to Minneapolis, my friend, Katrin Valencia, 
she used to be at the Chicago Dream Center, and she moved down to uh, her and her husband moved their family down to Tennessee, as a lot of Illinoisans are, because Illinois is a crazy place to live at the moment. But uh, she has been going to the Super Bowl to do outreach work for I think the last seven years. And um, she's awesome. she's funny, man. She's a Broncos fan. And I I love her anyway. <laughs> I still love her as a Raiders fan. But she uh, she does some pretty amazing things with Skyway Railroad down there. And I wanted to go up there because I've been wanting to go to the Super Bowl for a few years. I was supposed to go to Houston last year, and just due to some health issues, I wasn't able to make the trip. Um, and then when this opportunity came up to go up and and learn from her. I was immediately like, I have to do this. I have to get up there um, because in my opinion, she's, she's one of the best and she, she has a great heart and she is very smart when it comes to doing outreach for sex trafficking victims. Um, and there were a few teams that were kind of partnered up with her there and they had teams that were making phone calls out to backpage.com ads saying, Hey, we have resources that can come and get you and we can put you up in a safe house and, mm-hmm offer you these services and my my services were one of those services that they were mentioning for tattoo removal Uh, so i got an opportunity to do some of that when i was up there Um, they had teams doing outreach work in the casinos up there because a lot of trafficking was happening there they had hotel teams that were going into hotels and just kind of being observant looking for trafficking going on and then of course they had strip club outreach teams uh, women that would go into the clubs and guys that would do stuff outside, and I got to do some of that too. I'll talk about that in a few. Um, but it was it was really cool to to sit there and watch her work with people. What, for the most part, there were a lot of different organizations up there that were represented um, doing different work, and a lot of them were working together. And it was really cool to see that because there's kind of this divide I've spoken about before um, with trafficking ministry, where there's the survivor-led ministries. And the church ministry, you know, church-led ministries or um, just people that want to go out and make a difference, whether they're related to a church or not. And for the most part, that all went great. Um, I did see one situation that kind of broke my heart. There's a, there's a church that I love um, and, I, I hold, and I, hold the, I still hold this church in, in very high regard, but they had a group of folks there that were uh, a part of Super Bowl outreach who were, uh, let's just say that they weren't acting very Christian and they were pretty nasty to a, a group. And um, it was really uncomfortable to, to see it take place, but it was very unnecessary too. It was just over something silly. Um, and I hope that that church um, can apologize for it to the people that they wronged. But it was it was really really offensive really well you know like the the thing that i see is people that and this was this situation like church warfare no i won't name any names or anything but what we what it was was they were upset because they weren't getting credit for the work that they were doing and i said i'm sorry we don't get credit for anything because it's god's work right it's not what it's about yeah it's god god gets the credit and that's how it should be and that was not the situation. It was it turned very ugly very fast. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping that can be mended out. I don't know. Um, so next year, I'm excited because Katrin's running this huge program. We're gonna be there. We're gonna take a team. If you're listening to this right now and you you're thinking, man, I want to go to the Super Bowl next year and maybe do some outreach work and learn how to do it the right way and and do that with a team give me a call or send me an email because we're going to train people ahead of time through Katrin's organization and mobilize in Atlanta. It'll be a little bit warmer in Atlanta next mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Different environment. Totally. Way too. different. Minnesota is an awesome city, but just not in February. Nope. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. like nothing good happens in Minneapolis in February, but, um, and I was stupid and still wore shorts. <laughs> Naturally, he was five below, and they said the wind chill was twenty five below, and I'm still walking around with shorts and chucks on. <laughs> but at least I wore socks with my Chuck Taylors. Right. But um, so yeah, we one of the things I wanted to talk about on the outreach side is is um, strip club outreach because it's a pretty big thing. There's a lot of groups that do it. 
there's a lot of groups that do it really, really great. And there's some that are not so great, but, um, luckily I was with Katrin and she, I, she's one of my favorites. Of course, Andy Donwald, uh, Krista down in Tampa does a great job. Charity does it up in Minneapolis. So there's great organizations all over the country that do it. But, uh, she, the other, one of the nights she asked me, she's like, Hey, we're going to go downtown and, and do outreach. And here's what we're going to do. I was like, I looked at her, I was like, I'm not going into strip clubs. I said, that's not my, my role, not my place. Come on, man. You've been into these porn conventions. I think you can yeah, stuff. <laughs> it, it was, it was rough though. Yeah. But she, when I, when I said that, Katrin kind of laughed and she's like, oh no, no, you're not going in. Like we don't have guys go in. I was right. like, okay, cool. Go, right. All right. So what am I doing? So she uh, kind of walked me through everything and um, whether it's street outreach, you know, they had teams going after prostitutes on the streets because believe it or not, there were some outside working um, and, or if we're in the hotels, this is how we do it. And it's a team of three people. I was like, all right, tell me how it works. She goes, we'll have a woman, like if we're in a strip club, the women are inside talking to the girls and all that. But if we're just on the street or in a hotel or a casino, one of us will talk with the person that we think is being trafficked or that might be at risk, right? Runaways, whatever. Another person will be praying while that conversation is going on for that conversation. And then we have guys that stand watch and kind of make sure nobody rushes in like a pimp or a trafficker or a gang member or whatever. And I'm like, well, clearly I know what my role is there. Right. And, uh, so we're standing there after this training. We're in a in a hotel right across from Mall of America. And she goes, uh, oh, my God. I'm like, what? And I see her book down the hall after this girl. There was a girl that walked in, you know, very obvious what she was there for, uh, just based on her attire and her mannerisms. And um, she was a prostitute. And... She walked down this hall and then made a left turn to go down to this room 109 to one of the hotel rooms. And she's knocking on the door and Katrin gets up to her and was just trying to talk to her. Like, are you okay? Are you safe? Do you need anything? And she's like, I'm good. I'm good. Just leave me alone. You know, some expletives, whatever. And she goes into the room and Katrin walks back towards me because I I followed her down the hall to kind of watch out and make sure nobody came after Katrin and nobody did. Um, she comes back up to me and she's like, that was definitely a prostituted individual. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, no question. Um, so we walked back to the front lobby and she goes to get some stuff cause they're getting ready to go out on outreach. And I'm, I'm looking at the front lobby and there's these two pillars in the front lobby. And there's this guy that looks a little suspicious. So I'm looking at him. He kind of looks back over at me and we lock eyes. And he's got an earpiece connected to his phone and he's got his phone in his hand looking mm-hmm. at it. We lock eyes because he saw me follow Katrin down the hall after this girl. Uh-huh. And he texts somebody. And about 30 seconds later, I see this girl come huffing back to the front lobby to him. Uh-huh. And she's like, what the F is your problem? What the F is your problem? And he's like, we got to go now. And they go out and they leave. And I grab Kate and I'm like, that's the pimp, pimp right? Yeah. It's either a pimp or a driver. <laughs> yep. Sometimes they'll have a driver, like, go and take them to the hotels or whatever. Um, but, yeah, clearly. And I was like, it, when I saw that, I was like, oh, let's go to work, man. I'm ready. Like, right. Let's do it. <laughs> Katrin gave me a stack of these business cards. I'm going to give you one here. We gave these things out up and down Hennepin Avenue. We gave them out on the subway. We gave, or not the subway. They have like a, it's called, it's like the Metro here. Gave out a bunch of, tons of these cards to guys. Right? Light rail, right? Yeah, light rail, exactly. And we would not give them to a guy if they were with a girl, right? Mm-hmm. So if there was a bunch of guys or a guy walking along, we'd give them one of these cards. Well, it looks like an escort service card. Mm-hmm. And for those listening, there's a website on it that is um, it's www.yourrealgirl.com I mean this card looking at it and you showed me this a couple days ago yeah I mean it's something you would expect to see handed out in Vegas on the strip or something exactly. it's just like it I mean it looks legit it's all black right. it's got a white uh, silhouette of a girl 
right sitting and it says experience the real thing i mean this yeah this looks extremely legitimate yeah it's it's an awesome car it is it's impressive <laughs> right so we're handing these things out and katrin had shown me what they were she said look up the website so i did and when you open this website yourrealgirl.com it looks like an escort website would i guess is from what i've been told um and there's just pictures of girls and they're they're dressed like in lingerie or whatever and when you click on one of those pictures it opens up another picture of that girl dead and it said this is sarah she was uh strangled to death by a john or whatever the situation right and these are actresses portraying real life situations um but more importantly there's a link on there to click to get help mm -hmm. so do you struggle with porn addiction sex addiction um you know and it's it's a resource it becomes a resource now the crazy thing is, I mean, I would love to see the faces of guys who opened up this website thinking it was an escort site. I know. Now, the one cool thing that took place from this is we had guys, some guys that we gave these cards to got really angry. They're like, man, why are you giving me this? I'm married. I don't need this garbage, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mm -hmm. like going off, right? There was a couple of times where I thought I was going to be about to get hit. Um. And then we'd kind of pull them to the side and go, look, here's, here's what it really is. Take the card home. Tell your wife or your girlfriend about it. Tell them your reaction, you know, but then show them what it is. It, and what we're trying to do out here is we're trying to educate people and, and get people help if they need it for addictions. And I thought it was the coolest thing. Triple X Church did it. Mm -hmm. And Triple X Church and Craig Gross and those guys, uh, we've, we've, um, seen some amazing things from them in the past they do great work um, to help people coming out of the porn industry and people that deal with porn addictions stuff like that so um, yeah. just a you know huge you know shout out to triple x church for for what they did there it was awesome yeah i'm looking at this website and it's extremely easy mm -hmm. to read easy to navigate yeah. especially you know the good help yep resources I mean, there's stuff everywhere on this site in a nice, organized manner. I mean, this. Okay, I'm geeking out maybe on the design of the right. of the of the website, but I mean, for somebody who might just be clicking at it to look through it really quick and see what it is, and it, you know whether or not they need help, it's man, it's quick. It's yeah. bam, bam, bam. I love I mean, it. For men, for women, for couples. I mean, retreats, thirty day challenges, ask Craig, panic button. I mean, all this stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's real easy to get through and. And there's great resources on it. So, yeah, we gave out a ton of those things. It was awesome. Um, Sunday night, you know, everybody's sitting there watching the game in town, not our teams. I mean, we're, we're all at work and doing outreach and stuff during the game. And mm -hmm. I, honestly, I couldn't have cared less about the football game going on because I was so pumped about all the work that was being done <laughs> by different people. Right. Um, but my, my buddy that set up the John Sting sit-in for me, called me up and he goes, Hey, um, we have a team on this is Sunday afternoon. He's like, we have a team that's, that's pulling rescues tonight. Do you want to go on a ride and see them do that? I was like, Oh dude, this is crazy. First man. things. Now I get to go on these rest right. uh, actual rescue. So I meet them back at their hotel where they were set up with their operations team. And they sat down, they had five different teams that were going out to do rescues and they'd been doing them all week. And they were successful. They were making rescues. And they sat me down. They're like, okay, here's the deal. Basically, um, you can't say anything, and you have to stay in the car. You just watch. And I was like, understood. Right. <laughs> yes, Not sir. Not a problem. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, so they introduced me to Jay and Tom, who are retired Navy SEALs mm -hmm. and worked in law enforcement and the whole deal. But they're retired now, but they come every year to do work at the Super Bowl to pull rescues and sat down and met with them, talked with them for a few minutes. And they're like, All right, we've been tracking this girl. And they showed me the ad and they're like, we've been talking to her for the last three days. And she texted us saying her pimp was taking her to a hotel for an appointment and to be ready. And she would text us when she when she got dropped off. So we're like, all right. So we go out and we get in the car and we, we had an idea of the area. She didn't know the exact hotel when she made the text, but we were in the area 
they get the text. We were at that hotel within a minute and a half, right? On horrible roads with <laughs> weather like we're experiencing here today. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, stay put. We're in a Chevy Suburban, right? And I'm in the back, back row, the third row seats. <laughs> just kind of why I was like the little kid in the family, you know, <laughs> stuffed in the third row. Right. <laughs> and we pull up to the front door of this, this hotel. They run in. They're like, wait here. And there's a driver, of course. And uh, they go in, and it felt like less than 20 seconds from when they left the car to when they were back in the truck with, with her. And the girl's just freaking out. She's, you know, oh, my God, he's going to kill me. He's gonna, you got to get out of here. You got to get out of here. He's going to kill me. He's going to be back. And because the deal was the pimp dropped her off at the hotel and made the transaction with the John, and then he left. And sent her to go down to the room and, and have this encounter mm-hmm. and she never went down to the room. That's why we had to get in there. So, or they had to get in there so quick and get her out. Right. So they get her, they get her in the car. She's flipping out. She's freezing to death. They wrap her up in blankets and I'm sitting behind her praying like crazy for this girl. Right. Just to myself, you know, not out loud. And I look up and she's got bruises on the side of her neck. And I was, it was so real because every time I've encountered a survivor, it was, you know, down the line, like after they've testified against their pimp and that pimp's gone and there's no, there's no risk of him getting to them or their family or Mm -hmm. people they love ever again. And this girl was in in the middle of trauma for sure um no question about it and we went to they had a uh, they had this this operation was so meticulously crafted that it was set up they had a um special wing at a hospital that it was rarely used oh, that wow. they used solely for this operation so it was locked down it was doctors nurses um counselors caseworkers um food this girl hadn't eaten in over 24 hours. And it was just crazy to see. And once we got to the hospital, they let me go into this room that was like a like a conference room. Mm-hmm. And then they came back and kind of told me, "Okay, she's here now. She's with them." And there's a you know. Then after we left, they told me like the medical team is first in there. They make sure she's got no physical trauma, um, and if she does, they treat it. Then they have counselors that sit with her and. You know, and they, they're feeding them and just talking to them. Where do you want to go? Trying to coordinate what safe house situation they can send them to or take them to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it was incredible to see it. It, it, man, it really, I have a lot of pride for the work that law enforcement does. And um, just a lot of, I mean, I can't say anything but amazing things about how they treated her and, what I saw and this, all the people that came around this, this young woman to get her out. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of moving parts. It was, it was just nuts. And then I'm going, they're taking me back to the hotel because I was going from there to go do outreach with Katrin and the team and stuff. Um, we're driving in the suburban back to the hotel and the guy goes, yeah, um, I was in the military with Jesse Ventura. <laughs> I'm like what? He's like, yeah, he was awesome. He's like, Tell you know, because Jesse Ventura was governor of Minnesota, right? right? And he's like, This suburban that we're in was Jesse Ventura's suburban when he was the governor of Minnesota. <laughs> I'm like, No way. So I'm like, Immediately, I'm sitting there, we're just wanting to go, Woo, right? You know, like, go Ric Flair on it. But, right, um, it was cool talking. These guys are just amazing, right? You know, like, I ask them questions, like, Uh, yeah, we can't. Yeah, or they'd answer some. They're like, "Yeah, we'd have to kill you if we told you that." And I'm like, no, "I get it, I get it." Right. But they were crazy, man. And um, I'm gonna hopefully I get to connect with them again next year in Atlanta. You know, I, I was talking to a lot of people about next year already. Mm-hmm. Even when we we're still there, I'm like, Atlanta's like the strip club mecca yes. of this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, besides Vegas. So there's going to be a lot of need for a lot of volunteers and a lot of resources and a lot, you know, just even more people. So a lot of things going to be going on to that. Um, yeah. Wow. It was, I what mean, a weekend, man. What a rush. Then I drove home on Monday and 
tried to get back to just the reality of my regular life here <laughs> and I couldn't like right after such a climax of like climatic weekend of yeah all that stuff mentally physically emotionally spiritually I mean yeah whew, you know week just to come down from that well over a three-day period I slept like five hours <laughs> and I got home and I couldn't sleep Monday night I just could not sleep mm-hmm um, just kept thinking about it and thinking about next year and think, you know, thinking about that young woman that was, that those guys rescued and all the work that a lot of people did to make a difference. And Katrin met this woman. She's man. She has a knack for finding people and like spotting people that might be in need. Mm-hmm. And she found this woman at, um, rock bottom brewery in there getting warmed up, you know, taking a break from the cold during, during outreach. And there was a woman there, and she just looked like she might have been in some kind of distress. And Katrin's talking to her, and come to find out she was trafficked 30 years ago. Hmm. And But now she's an advocate, and she goes out and does basically what we were all trying to do with Katrin, you know, right. outreach and stuff. And so Katrin's just talking to her, and she's like, do you have any tattoos from when you were trafficked? And she said, yeah, I do. She's like, I have one on my upper arm, my upper left shoulder, and... I've had it for 30 years mm-hmm. and I looked at it and I was like, no way. And she's like, well, this is my friend Chris and this is what he does. And he's obviously right here and he brought his gear and he does tattoo removals and tattoo cover-ups. Would you want to get that, you know, get rid of that while he's here? And she started sobbing. She's like, yes. She's like, I've looked at this stupid tattoo for 30 years and it reminds me of him every day. And she said, my pimp is dead. He's, he's long gone, but uh-huh. I still like constantly re- am reminded of him. Um, every time I look at this tattoo and I was like, here's my cell number. I want you to call me about nine in the morning. We'll get you over to the hotel and mm-hmm. we'll get rid of it. And we did. And I posted a little clip of that video with her permission uh, on the Facebook page. And it was just, it was an awesome moment to be able to get rid of that for her. That tattoo was so blown out and huh. stuff. It'll come. I mean, a lot of it came out while I was just going over it with the needle. So Jeez. it was, it was crazy. And then I did a couple other removals while we were there. And it was um, probably one of the most action packed weekends I've had. Definitely in my forties for sure. Right. Um, but Man, so rewarding and and so cool just to a lot of things. My eyes were open to a lot of things. Um, My faith was stretched in a lot of of ways. And that that trip gave me a whole new perspective on things and what I need to do and what I want to do and things to grow the ministry and and just go in, in related directions to do more. So... I'm excited for Atlanta. Who's coming with? We're going to take the mobile unit down there next year. So we'll have a base of operations for Inc. 180 that's not a hotel room. Um, we'll be able to go mobile all around Atlanta, all around the city there, and and get out in the streets and do our work. But if you're interested in going to Atlanta, give me a, give me a call at 630-554-1404, or you can shoot me an email. My email is chris at inc180.com we would love to talk to you about that and um, talk about the trainings that are going to go on well in advance of going down there so you well, basically we want to be able to hit the ground running when we hit atlanta we don't want to waste time with doing training sessions on site so we will if we need to for late arrivals and stuff but we want to be able to mobilize as many people right away so if you're interested in that hit me up got a bunch of announcements um, speaking stuff coming up that I want to make sure you know about um, on Sunday the 18th not this Sunday but next Sunday I'll be at my church Big Life Community Church 197 East Washington Street Oswego Illinois 60543 where I'll be talking more in depth about some of the things I talked about here today from the Super Bowl so I'm excited about that that's on the 18th at 9:45 a.m. come on out um, on the 22nd, I'll be back in Las Vegas. Uh, Central Church going to be out there, and actually at their Henderson site, um, teaching my class on dangerous faith. And of course, we'll be talking about some of the things from the Super Bowl with the gang ministry, sex trafficking ministry, different things like that. My story, um, my, my change in my life, all that stuff. So that's on the 22nd. 
Um, on February 27th, I'll be at Aurora University working with the um, Aurora University Against Human Trafficking Organization once again uh, to do just a, a really cool evening of um, discussion on human trafficking, what's being done in our local area to fight it, um, just general information about it, what's going on in our area. Um, and I'll be doing that as a part of a panel discussion that I'm organizing with some great folks too. Then the next morning, I get to wake up and fly to New York City. I will be wearing my Red Sox New York hat. City. New York City. Will be wearing my Red Sox gear in New York City. Believe that. But, <laughs> um, blessed to uh, have been asked to speak at Fordham University in, in the Bronx. And uh, going to be talking about our work with, uh, you know, the, the fight against human trafficking. Talk about the Super Bowl. Talk about the ministry. Uh, and talk about my story there as well. So 228 at Fordham University. And then on March 2nd, it's a Friday night. This is the last announcement for today. I'll be doing a class in conjunction with our friends from Three Squared Self-Defense. We will be doing a self-defense and social media safety class on the 2nd of March, 6.30 p.m. So check those out. We'd love to see you there. If you're there, come say hello. We're going to close it out with some chants. God bless you guys. Be safe. Be blessed. I will shield your name I will feel their questions I will feel your pain No one can judge They don't, they don't know They don't know Foot on the devil's neck to the drifted Pangea I'm moving all my family from Chatham to Zambia Treat the demons just like Pam I mean, I've got with your friends, but damn, Gina I've been this way since Arthur was Aunt Eater Now they wanna hit me with the woo out the bam Trying to snap photos of family uh. My daughter look just like Sia, you can't see her You can feel the lyrics of spirit coming in braille Tumming of the underground, come and follow the trail I made Sunday candy, I'm never going to hell I met Kanye West, I'm never going to fail He said let's do a good head job with Chance 3 I hear you gotta sell it to snatch the grand meat Let's make it so free and the bar so hard That it ain't one gosh darn part you can't tweet This is my part, nobody else speak This is my part, nobody else speak This little light of mine Glory be to God, yeah I'ma make sure that they go where they can't go If they don't wanna ride, I'ma still give them raincoats Know what God said when he made the first rainbow Just throw this at the end, we been late for the intro uh, I'm just having fun with it You know that a nigga was lost I laugh in my head cause I bet that my ex looking back like a pillar of salt uh, Cause they've left the script on your tab like Wesley and Spike you cannot mess with the light Look at the channel from 79 We on a ultra light beam We on a ultra light beam This is a God dream This is a God dream Father, this prayer is for everyone that feels they're not good enough This prayer is for everybody that feels that they're too messed up For everyone that feels they said I'm sorry too many times you can never go too far when you can't come back home again. That's why I need 